Talking Art on WVIK is sponsored by Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support for Talking Art also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Dr. Jennifer Popple, who is an assistant professor in the Department of Theater Arts at Augustana College. She's also co-director of the Women and Gender Studies program at Augustana. Welcome, Dr. Popple. Thank you, Carolyn. You are directing the Sarah Rule play in the next room or the vibrator play the next two weekends at the Bruner Theater on the Augustana College campus. We previously spoke to Sarah Rule, the playwright, on Talking Art in October. Uh, the play has a curious name, although the subtitle, which is Or the Vibrator Play, gives us a clue as to the storyline. Can you give us a brief synopsis? Sure. So the play takes place at the dawn of electricity. So we're talking about the Victorian times, but it takes place in Saratoga Springs or somewhere like that um, in upstate New York, a spa town. And it's about the invention of the vibrator as a medical device used to treat women, uh, mostly women, although men as well as we'll see in the play, for a variety of physiological and psychological things, mostly hysteria. Which is quite funny because I always think, of course, of the onset of electricity as, you know, illuminating our homes. But, of course, there are other many other uses for it as well, including uh, the vibrator. And hysteria was in the past more attributed to women and used as a broad term to cover a variety of emotions that were felt to be somewhat inappropriate in that time span because we are talking the Victorian era. So describe more, if you can, of the historical background behind In the Next Room. So it's called In the Next Room because the doctor's office, which would have been common um, during this time period, was actually in his home. So he's treating his patients while his wife, who is a new mother, is in the home and is extremely curious about what's happening in the next room. She's constantly... Um, listening at the door, trying to peek in, trying to get him to talk about his treatments. And we see two of his patients coming in. One is a female patient and one is a male patient. And there are a number of um, interesting relationships that occur as a result of these people passing into the home for treatment. But there are friendships that develop. There are romantic entanglements that develop um, throughout the course of the play. Uh huh. It sounds really, really fascinating. So the themes, the underlying themes, there's this somewhat Victorian ignorance, if you will, of female sexual desire is very, very, very suppressed during that time. And, you know, along those lines, the, the, the getting back to the, the reason why the, these women were treated that way, hysteria is actually derived from the Greek word for uterus. Yeah. Again, getting back to the fact that this disorder was attributed primarily to women, which is just quite unfair. But beyond those themes, there are so many others. Like what, what is intimacy? That, that comes up throughout the play. Yes. I think, you know, when I chose the play, I chose it because not only does it deal with this really interesting and sad part of history, this lack of understanding that women have uh, any sort of sexuality. And that's been a really interesting part of the rehearsal process, talking to the students about as these patients are receiving the treatment, they don't understand that what is happening is something that we today would see as a sexual experience. That's not 
that's not connected in their mind. It's not in the doctor's mind. Um, but in addition to that, this idea of intimacy, we've been using this language, we're calling it an intimacy continuum. And we talk about there's so much intimacy or lack of intimacy in the play that Sarah Rule plays with in a number of different ways. So there's the doctor and his wife who are new parents. She is a new mother and is feeling really um, uh, sad and depressed over the fact that she can't breastfeed her baby. And so there's another subplot that's really important um, that deals with the historical period of time, this period of time when women of color were hired in to be wet nurses for um, middle and upper class white women. And we have this amazing character, Elizabeth, who comes in and is hired to be a wet nurse. And the reason that she's able to be a wet nurse is because she has lost her child. And so she is a woman who is lacking the intimacy that she would have had with her own child, but has to create this forced intimacy with another woman's child. Meanwhile, the woman has to deal with that. Um, and so there are also intimate friendships that develop that are surprising um, and ideas about just discovering oneself. I think sort of intimacy with oneself is another big portion of mm -hmm. the play. It sounds just like a beautiful play. And there, like you said, there's so many undercurrents to that. There's other things too, just uh, in terms of themes, marriage, the meaning of motherhood, personal fulfillment. So what, what drew you to this play in particular? Well, I think you know, we've studied Sarah Rule in a number of classes, and I think she's one of the most exciting and interesting playwrights that we have today. And we as a department, as you know, as the program keeps growing, we've been talking about how do we introduce stories that are by people who often don't get representation on the stage? And how do we offer more um, fully developed roles for people who often are not allowed representation in the space? And I think Sarah Rule is one of those people who, first of all, being a female playwright who is really underrepresented in terms of... Um, you know, productions that are offered on in professional and college settings. That's something that we find really important to prioritize. And it's also just a really gorgeous, um, gorgeous story that um, really spoke to me. You know, I'm my kids are really young. And so I think those ideas of um, sense of self, whether you have children or you don't have children, and um, what it means to be a mother is really prevalent in the play with the doctor's wife, Mrs. Givings. Um, her own feelings of failure to her child, I think, are something that you know people people can really relate to as parents. Um, and I think that just the idea of um, self discovery and um, discovering more about the person that you're married to is also something that is really interesting and I found really powerful in the play. And it's really funny, too. That's something I often, my students sometimes joke that I always do really depressing plays. And so I said, look, we're doing we're doing in the next room. And when we got into the rehearsal space, the students said, I did not realize how funny this play was until we got in here and started doing it. It is hysterical. And I hope the audience will find a lot of places to laugh, even though there are moments of real sorrow in the play too, especially with Elizabeth's character um, with the loss of her own child. Well, I think that's perfect, actually, the ability of a playwright to blend in humorous and very sad or tragic moments that really represents life in a more broader sense anyway. It's true. And for those who don't know, Sarah Rule is a um, young female American playwright. She's currently on faculty at the Yale School of Drama. Her parents are originally from the Quad Cities, and this is the first time that this play will be performed in the Quad Cities, so we're excited that that you're doing it. It was nominated for three Tony Awards in 2010 and also was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. How many plays are you able to direct a year, and how does that work given your teaching 
responsibilities? Well, fortunately, the school looks at artistic work. Um, it's valued as a class because we come in Monday through Thursday nights and do rehearsals, three-hour rehearsals every night. Um, it is hard, particularly balancing, you know, having a partner who also works full-time and having two children that are that you know take a lot of time. Um, so I do one play a year for Augustana, and then I occasionally direct or I just got back into acting this past fall with QC Theater Workshop. Um, but that's that has to be on a every so often um, sort of basis, I right. guess. But yes, it takes a lot of work, but it's it's so rewarding. I, I love the rehearsal room and the work that I do with the students there. When do you start casting and when does the process begin to put on a play by the by the last weekend of January? Oh gosh, well the prep work for us starts much earlier. We choose our plays. In fact, we're getting ready to choose our season for next year already, which is difficult when I'm right in the midst of this. I kind of don't want to think about what's next yet, but I know I have to. So we choose the plays and then we start all of the prep work and I have some really great students that I work with. I have a student dramaturg who does all of my background research. Um, Laura Bergeron is my dramaturg that I'm working with this term and she started doing research for me during the summer, looking into the amazing invention of the vibrator. We have to know what they looked like, and some of them were very terrifying looking. <laughs> um, you know, the history of wet nursing and, all, you know, the history of towns like this, all of that. And so she does all of that um, research. We do casting the um, term before we start rehearsals. We're on trimesters still at Augustana for this year and next year. And then we start rehearsals week one. We rehearse for two months, and then we, we put it on its feet. And that sometimes doesn't even seem like quite long enough, but um, the students are really dedicated to the process. And um, I have an assistant director as well who's a student who is excellent at she will run double rehearsals for me. So if I'm working with some students in one room, she can be in another room working with other students. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's it does sound like a huge time commitment, but so fabulous for us who just get to walk in <laughs> and see the finished product. Yeah. You had said before there was some sort of matrix that you used to at Augustana to choose play so that they are spread out across different genres. We do. We came up with a couple of years ago as the program was getting into this growth phase that we're in right now, um, building um, yeah, a matrix that it's not completely locked in, but we really want the students to get exposure to a number of different plays, plays that require some more avant-garde acting or that are really contemporary, or you know, we make sure that they are introduced to Shakespeare at least once in their four years. And so this play, for a number of reasons, it's you know a woman playwright, it's a more modern play in terms of when it was published, but it is a historical piece for the students. And so this time I have a consultant that I'm working with who is a specialist in period style movement. And so she gave us all of this material on how Victorian people walked and all of the really interesting mannerisms, the coded things. There's a whole list of things about how women would use handkerchiefs and how people would use gloves to send these coded messages back and forth. And it's been really fun to work with them on just all of those various things, how they sat, how they gestured, how they walked, it's all, it's different. And that's been really fun. So that's a really good, I think, experience for them to add on to working with a play that takes place in the late 19th century. Oh, absolutely. But just so much work. And again, um, being filled in a little bit now on the behind the scenes uh, work that is required to put on a production like this is, is, is fascinating. Um, what are some of the more challenging aspects of directing a college cast? Well, it's always a challenge, I think, when you're working with an age group that hasn't experienced the things that are in the play. Although I think no one has experienced 
the things that many of our characters have. I mean, hopefully people have not gone through a lot of the things that Shakespeare's characters have gone through, for example, but we still have older actors who go and play Macbeth or Claudius or someone like that. So I think I always try to keep in mind that the students can still understand the emotional underlying feelings. But it is a challenge in the sense that these are people who, many of whom are, you know, a little bit older, um, are seasoned professionals, are married, have the experience of being parents. Um, So I would say that's potentially um, a challenge, but I would say the students, again, they're able to dig down to what is that really about, those feelings of vulnerability and wanting to connect with someone and not being able to. So... um, I, you know, I, I don't know what I would say is a challenge. I think it's really fun to work with college students, actually, because I find they're really open to the process and they're willing to jump into pretty much anything that you give them. So yeah. it's really rewarding. That's that's lovely. This play does have some provocative moments throughout and themes throughout. Um, and yet it so- sounds as if it's quite discreet. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. I think, you know, again, Sarah Rule, I think being somebody who's very trusting of the artistic process, puts it in there that but trust that you will figure out a way to do it that is respectful, not only to the audience, but also to the actors that you're working with. I have to work with college-aged actors on material that does have some provocative moments, but in a way that I need to make sure they feel safe and respected in the process as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's great that we're able to put these type of productions on on our college campuses that make us think that push us perhaps a little bit. Yes, we're very lucky, I think, in the fact that we have um, an administration, particularly a president in Steve Balls, who's really supportive of theater that pushes people to think and sometimes can be challenging. Mm-hmm. He has been very open about as a theater and as an avid theater goer himself, he really looks to plays to teach him about how to be a better person, a better president. Um, it was a play, Nickel and Dime, that he saw years ago at Augustana that um, prompted him to um, decide to continue to raise the minimum wage for hourly employees. And I think this play has a lot to say to people about how we can be better friends, better partners, better parents, um, better at understanding ourselves. And even though it does that through, as you said, some provocative material, it's done very discreetly and respectfully and um, offers a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. How are you choosing to interpret the ending of the play? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) We don't don't want to be a spoiler here and let people know. I will say... what one of the things that I love about Sarah Rule as a playwright is I think she's one of the playwrights who is really trusting of her director and her actors and the rest of her design staff, and so she gives you a. She gives you some ideas and some things that she wants you to do, but she also writes in there, it could be this way, it could be that way. Um, So the ending scene is um, a transformational scene in many ways. Um, And I, again, don't want to give too much away, but just say um, a lot of transformations happen in that. And she leaves it open to you to interpret. And of course, if we had a Broadway budget, There are things that you could do, but we will not. And I actually find that really exciting sometimes because we all get in a room, we have production meetings every week, and we sat down one week and just said, all right, we all have to talk about this because it affects all of us. It affects sound, lights, set, props, acting, everything. 
what do we want to do? And so we threw out ideas and some of them (laughs) other people had to reject based on budget or space or something like that. Um, But I think we've come up with something that's going to be really beautiful. It's a lovely scene. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) For those who don't know, where is the Bruner Theater located on the Augustana College campus? It's on the corner of 38th Street and 7th Avenue, and it is across the street from Centennial. So if you park in the Centennial slash Bergendorf parking lot and take the bridge up, it is the building that is right across the street, um, across the bridge called the Bruner. We do have golf carts now that will come down and meet people at the bottom of the bridge and drive them up. So if anyone has, you know, Potentially, if the weather is bad or they don't, if they have some um, issues with walking that far, we do have the ability to give them a ride up the up the bridge. Oh, that's great. So. Uh, I'm curious about your background a bit. Um, you received your PhD at the University of um, Colorado in Boulder. I did. And yes. you have been at Augustana for how many years now? I started there in 2010. So, um, I yeah, I came to academia um, later in my career. I um, went to college and thought I was going to be an actress and very quickly realized that that was probably not a lifestyle that would work out for me. And then I just thought, well, I guess I can't do theater. And I went through a number of majors and um, had a conversation with my father begging me to just graduate in my fifth year. And I did and just took a series of jobs after that and then eventually made my way back in my late 20s to get my master's and my PhD. And I'm really fortunate that I landed here pretty much right away. It's been a really good fit, the yeah. liberal arts background and Augustana in general. That's that's great. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you as a female going through academia, getting your PhD, um, having a mentor, developing an artistic partner? And what do you think in general about women supporting other women during this this type of process? Yeah, I think, you know, I was really lucky at the University of Colorado. I had um, a really great cohort of graduate students that I was in there with and had really, really supportive professors um, who just taught us about research and, you know, just the the value and um, the the importance of what happens in that rehearsal room as being a really sacred process. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, although... I, you know, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I had mentors, but I think what happened was I I connected a lot with um, some of my colleagues. I have a very dear friend who has come out here and I've gone out to her school. She teaches at Utah Valley University. And we are in very similar places in our lives and careers right now. We graduated at the same time. We met our partners at the same time. We got married almost at the same time. We had children almost at the same time. And so it's been really nice because I think those transitions that you go through in your life, particularly for both of us, deciding to become parents and then becoming parents and the reality of what that meant and how that created this process of thought about how do I how do I achieve what I want in both my career and my family and acknowledge that there are sacrifices that have to be made. What sacrifices am I willing to make? Um, I think that's been really important. And so I think finding people who understand that um, that experience who are in this unique work that we do, particularly of being both academics, but also artists, um, which are, are compli- we're complicated people to be with sometimes. And the time commitment that's required by our partners um, sometimes goes above and beyond. Um, so yeah, so I think that's really important to just have that community around you to support you in, in that work. Yeah, I for one, am really excited that, um, that Augustana is putting on a play by a female playwright and that the director is you, another female. I think it's, it's just beautiful. And I can't wait to see it. So Jennifer Popple, best of luck with your upcoming production in the next room or the vibrator play.
play. It's playing next weekend, January 26th through 28th, and also the following weekend, February 2nd through 4th, at the Bruner Theater on the Augustana College campus. Performances will be held at 7.30 p.m. both Friday and Saturday nights, and there will also be two Sunday matinees on January 28th and February 4th at 1.30. Tickets can be purchased online or at the Augustana ticket office. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal. Thank you.